We've all read those long-form Facebook ads and wondered if they really work. Would you be surprised to learn that some of the highest converting Facebook ads are the length of some long-form landing pages? 2,000 words and up, people and they work. Why do they work and how can you write them is the topic of today's episode. Justin Blackman shares his experience on writing high converting Facebook ads in hundreds of different tones of voice. It's a bonanza of an episode that delivers so much more than Facebook ads. If you want to learn how to write Facebook ads and bundle your service and write in different tones of voice, this is the episode for you. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters, and that's where you can head to find all things copywriting. With me, of course, is Kate Toon. Hello, my name's Kate Toon. I also have the sweet, sweet pleasure of being a copywriter, and I run the Clever Copywriting School, where we have courses, resources, and an upcoming conference called CopyCon. Oh, courses and resources. I like that. I'm so rhyming today. You are. Now, you weren't actually with me when I chatted with Justin. This was a solo interview, but I think you really would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't know where I was. What was I doing? I was somewhere, down a hole, something, I don't know. Well, we were both traveling quite a bit Uh, before Christmas, so our calendars were not aligning. So I took this one. But Justin, he was a cracking copywriter to talk to. And, you know, we talked about long form Facebook ads, but there was some stuff that I specifically wanted to talk about, like the different tones of voice stuff. His, his technique for writing in hundreds of different tones of voice was really, really fascinating. So I wanted to draw him in for that as well. Awesome. That, that does sound, sound interesting. But, and also, you know, I'm looking forward to be proven wrong because I know that sometimes you and I find those long form Facebook ads a little bit yicky and a yeah. little bit like, hard to do because we, we, we try to sell things as well. And I'm always like, it's too long. So I'm looking forward to being challenged in my thinking. Yeah. Do you know what? We wrapped up the interview this is a nice little hook for everyone. We wrapped up the interview and he said, if you find thinking about, if you find it difficult to think about writing long for long form ads, think about it like this. And you'll have to listen to the end to find oh, out. Oh, you big tease. Right. <laughs> Hit play. I want to hear it. Let's do it. So the first thing we're going to do, in case anyone doesn't know who you are, who are you, what do you do and who do you do it for? Sure. Uh, well, I'm Justin Blackman, and I spent two decades marketing big name brands like Red Bull and Puma and Five Hour Energy. And I learned the power of a good voice. And uh, it made me hate the boring, drab, self centered emails and websites. So I analyzed the good ones. And I also studied a lot of quick hit storytelling techniques from comedians. So I sort of cannonballed into copywriting. And now I help B2C businesses craft messages that sound like people. I love that line that you write you write words that sound like real people which is a very important thing for these b2c spaces b2b spaces i should say yeah you got to find your voice for sure so can you tell us how you got into writing facebook ads yeah it was not planned i will say this um i'm not not someone (laughs) that uh loves writing facebook or social as a matter of fact it was not one of my strengths but um, I got a call out of the blue from someone that has a Facebook marketing company and they had seen some of the work that I had done and they needed someone that could write in different personalities. And uh, with the work that I had done with the headline project, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, mm-hmm. they had seen that I can write in different voices. And they said that they specialize in those long form pedestal post styles, like the, the one sentence at a time um, uh, posts and they asked if I wanted to give a shot and the first one that I did, I nailed and it performed well and um, they brought me on and I've been working in house for them ever since. They have a whole yeah. account management team. They just said, can you write these Facebook ads? And I said, I've never done it before, but I'll give it a shot. And yeah. um, he sent me a few examples of ads that they had, they had that performed well. And I just sort of reverse engineered it. And a lot of it was the PAS problem agitate solution. Mm-hmm. And I quickly identified the formulas and I saw just the way that they wrote and their, the short staccato style, um, quick hit sentences, because it's all optimized for mobile because more than 50% of the traffic for Facebook is going to be yeah. on mobile. So you want those shorter sentences, the shorter paragraphs that don't wrap and look like a book on, on a mobile phone. Um, so it was actually really easy to analyze. I think that nice. any, any writer with even a year experience under their belt 
can reverse engineer a good ad and figure out what works with it and what doesn't. And, uh, and also just because you're on Facebook all the time, see what works for you. And yes. I just looked and, you know, I did a little bit of research. I asked some questions and we figured it out real quick. I love that idea. So it's obviously a good tip to start with is start saving ads. Yeah. That you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that one copy line at a time. Mm-hmm. And you called it a pedestal post formatting. So I love it when things have names. <laughs> you all sound really clever when we know what they are. But, I mean, that obviously works for mobile. That's what you just told us. How does yeah. it work in terms of conversions? Because it can be kind of annoying. But is, is the formatting for mobile the only reason you, we do it? It works? Um, yes and no. The, the formatting, I would say, is primarily because of mobile. Um, it's... It, it can look a little tedious on, um, on desktop and actually LinkedIn was a bit notorious for these type of posts. Yes. Um, but it's the same thing. Um, yeah. it's written that way because also Facebook buries anything more than like five or six lines with that see more. So mm-hmm. you want to sort of tease someone into clicking it and reading through and the lengths of these posts, they can, they can get long. Um, a lot of the ones that I write are between five and 700 words. Um, some of the, oh um, yeah, it's long for an ad. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the gurus, like you'll see the, the higher end guys, some of their posts are 1,500 to 2,000 words. They are long, but they're done that way intentionally. If you are interested, you're going to keep reading. Yeah. And every time you click, the person's got to pay for that click. Like whoever's posted it has got to pay for that back end. If you quit halfway through, it means that you aren't going to buy the product anyway. Yeah. So they've already filtered you out. So you are going to get a lower click-through rate, but you're actually going to get a higher conversion rate. So it's a really good way of qualifying your audience before they get to the landing page. And that could be a great point when you're talking to clients as well, where you're yeah. talking about how long do we need the ad to be? You can really upsell more copy as that qualification. So by qualifying the readers to get to the end, you're lowering the cost per click and yes. upping the conversion rate. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And the answer, I mean, we've had people, it's too long. We've had people saying that it's too short. It's as long as it needs to be. That's always the answer for the length. Um, you know, I, I, it's not right for everybody. I'd say that these are best for people that are in coaches or in the service industry. Um, you don't necessarily need that for products, mm-hmm. but it's more, uh, we did a lot of health coaches, fitness coaches, um, life coaches, um, speaking coaches and uh, also network marketers. Um, it works really well for that. Anyone that has a service that you're trying to provide into, mm-hmm. I'd say the more length, the more qualifying you're doing of the candidate, the better your results are going to be. I think the same applies for long form copy on landing pages as well. I think one of the reasons, I mean, short copy works for products because they're usually more price sensitive or things yeah. that are cheaper because people don't care. But the more you have to get someone to invest emotionally and financially, yeah. the more stories you need to tell, the more testimonials you need, the more persuasion you need. So that applies across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So you mentioned the PAS formula. Yeah. My go-to. Are there any other formulas that work well in Facebook ads? Yeah. Facebook has a lot of, um, a lot of proven techniques and they're not very common. I had to do a lot of research for this. So, um, I will say that, uh, a lot of what I'm, what I'm going to tell you is taken from other experts and the information's out there. Um, yeah, there's a, a few different ones. Um, some that work storytelling is great. So, and that's kind of the way of the future right now anyway. So anytime that you can tell a good story and bait someone on right away, that is a fantastic way of getting people through. It's also just a way of making the copy more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pick a fight. You can immediately mm-hmm. drop another guru's name in there and say like, you know, this is why Tim Ferriss is wrong or Seth Godin says this, but I disagree. Yeah. And you're now, you're going to ride the coattails of whatever name you've just mentioned and they're like, wait a minute, why? Like, I love Seth Godin. Why is this guy contradicting? What's he got to say? Yeah. And then you can you can loop someone in that way, so you're instantly engaging them. Um, it also pre-qualifies your audience, so you, you know that you're talking to the right person. Like, if we mention Seth Godin and the person doesn't know who Seth Godin is, they're probably not going to be in your audience anyway. So yeah. they're going to skip it. Um. So, and let's see. Um. 
Facebook can also, you want to be positive with this. Um, if you go too negative too much, Facebook's new algorithm is promoting positivity and happiness, and they, they want people to feel good when they're on Facebook. So if you go dark and gloomy, yeah. Facebook can actually punish you and limit your reach. They want positive words to be showing up in people's posts. So you want you can start out by challenging, but you quickly want to go more into the positive results that you'll get. So yeah. doom and gloom could be good to start with, but quickly drop it and and get into it. I love, I just quickly, I love this idea that Facebook's going, no, everyone will be happy here. <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yep, I love these. Yeah. Um, and also the way of beginning your post. Um, you know, when I first started, I was always putting like the target name, like, um, you know, if we're writing the stay at homes, the uh, stay at home moms, we would say stay at home moms. Are you tired of blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, I've since learned that that's not best practice. You actually want to start like you're just having a conversation with someone and you can, you can mention stay at home moms, but you want to do it more naturally. Um, you know, like one of the problems of being a staying a stay at home mom is this. Yeah. So you're not just, putting them up in a title and be like, Hey, look at me, look at me. Yeah. You're engaging them naturally. You're having a conversation with them. Yeah, so fair enough. good way of bringing them in right away. That's a really um, good tip because, you know, calling out your target audience in your headline can be a really good way to qualify it, but it looks really like marketing. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is the more it looks like an ad, the less effective it might be. Yeah. Um, one of the great lines that I heard a couple of years ago is people go to Facebook to avoid making decisions, not to make decisions. So when you look like an ad, that, that's not why you're there. You're there to escape reality. You're not there to yeah. be sold. You're there to see pictures of puppies and your friends and just kind of see where everyone's checking in and just sort of escape. And yeah. when you look like an ad, that's what people are trying to escape from. Yes. So you kind of fit in there a little bit more organically. Nice. I love that. Yeah. And what about the... Um, the tone of voice, and I know tone of voice is very individual to the client and to their audience as well. But can you talk about some of the, the writing aspects that work well on Facebook yeah, ads? Absolutely. Facebook as a medium is more informal. That's just where you go. I mean, the, yeah. the whole social media language. Yeah. It's like talking in text messages with like the letter U for Y-O-U. And yeah, it's, it's annoying. You're cringing. I'm cringing. I hate it. I don't do it. And there are a few ads that I have written like that because the person I'm writing for does that. So you have yeah. to write in their style. I hate it. I'm not saying that everyone should do this, <laughs> um, but if your audience is young teens, you might want to. Yeah. Um, but no, I'd say at, in general, Facebook gives you permission to be more casual. Uh, you still want to stay on brand. If you are a, a very formal brand, then you're going to want to match that tone. But I mean, in general, it's a conversational place to be and you just want to be engaging and, you know, beginning sentences with hand and butt and because you're allowed to break rules. It's social. People are on their phone. They're texting. They're used to short speak. They're used to um, seeing typos. Um, and actually typos can actually can improve engagement. As weird as it sounds, it sort of makes you more human when you have typos. Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid of being imperfect. Yes, because when, when it is imperfect, imperfect, it feels less like a structured campaign. Yeah. Yeah, it shows a little bit of a human side to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... And what about things like jargon? Because I imagine with the Facebook targeting, we can actually get straight down to the audience. So if we've got a more technical topic or we're talking to a hobby or something that has its own language, we can just jump straight into that. We can. Uh, jargon is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you don't want to use it. You don't want to overuse it. But mm -hmm. if you're talking about something technical and your audience understands jargon and this is what they say, if they use weird acronyms that the majority of the world doesn't know, it's totally fine to use it. It shows that you're on the inside, that you yeah. understand what they're talking about. You're one of them. So jargon can actually be a really good way of qualifying people. 
Nice. And I guess that also what you've got to think about is where are they in those five stages of awareness? Are they sure. new to the topic or are they about to, to agree to make a decision? So, so that's the other balancing, which we yeah. don't do in all our copy as well. Yeah, that's a great point. If they're on high awareness or most aware by, by um, uh, for sure, you can, you can drop in a little bit of jargon. Nice. So you mentioned um, storytelling. And so this could be obviously stories about my challenge. I, I was poor and my business had failed and then I used these three secrets and now I'm a millionaire working from the beach. So there's that. But mm-hmm. there's also telling the stories of, of our clients and case studies and stuff like that. How, how can we use those best in terms of a Facebook ad? Facebook is interesting here. You are not allowed to make assumptions about your reader. Um, now you can based on targeting, but you, there are things that you can get in trouble if you're guessing that someone is struggling with someone, uh, with, with, with something, um, uh, dating specifically, um, dating is a very, very hard niche to, to tackle. Facebook is ultra, um, uh, ultra conservative when it comes to making assumptions about people, um, just because you don't know what someone's going through. You don't know if they're heterosexual, homosexual. And mm-hmm. if you incorrectly target someone, that gets bad. Um, they complain. Facebook has to complain. People have to apologize. So you cannot make assumptions about that. Um, so what you can do is talk about the clientele that you serve. So you can right. say, or you can talk about your own struggle. Like, um, you know, when, if, if I'm talking about dating for heterosexual, I can talk about, you know, here are certain things that I look for in a woman. Um, and you can say my clients often do this, but I can't say you probably do this because right. that's making an assumption about the end user and you cannot be hundred percent sure that you've got that. Right. So you can tell a story from your own personal point of view. You can tell specific stories from other people, your clients, but you can't make that projection onto readers. And I actually have heard that once before where someone was having some trouble getting some Facebook ads for um, pregnant women Mm -hmm. because they were talking about having the baby and that was seen as a projection. Like, well, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. That's a really funny example, but I understand that. So when you're, you're using it, do you use testimonials are these things introduced at the start or through or how would you tell a story um well you know there i remember writing an ad for a divorcee coach and um she was talking about her struggles and struggles and the reason why she created the course um and she was it was for divorcees over the age of 55 and you know we could target that but we can never say that they were struggling with depression and finding themselves. So we had to internalize it. And it was, the story was, I think it began with something along the lines of this isn't how I expected life after 55 to be. And we sort of broke it down into bullet points. So it was all first person and you felt for her. And um, this story had a great ending. It was a happy story, but it started off where the people that um, were that could identify with this immediately caught on. They're like, yes, okay, I felt this. I felt this too. So, you know, it just it, it instantly hooked them in. But again, if you weren't that, if you didn't care about it, you would skip the ad entirely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just about bringing it in to first person, um, you know, making it real. And it was a real story. There was nothing made up about it. Um, so the more genuine and open you can be, uh, as long as it's got a happy ending because Facebook does want to hear about the happy, the happy side. Okay, cool. So what about um, telling a client's story? Firstly, I wanted to say I love that you had a little hook intro to the story rather than just jumping in yeah. to the story. I love that. So if you were telling a client's story, would you just frame it in the same way where you're saying my clients, my client Sandra discovered one day, you know, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, you could just say, here's one thing that I've seen happen over and over again with my clients. Right. And, or then you can introduce Sandra. Um, let me tell you about Sandra, you know, something like that. Yeah. So it's an instant in, 
Um, and then you can talk about the results that she got or that your client got. You're not allowed to promise results. You can't say that when you do this, you will make money. You can say, this is what my clients did. This is what I helped them did, and they made money. So you're talking about a true success story. But again, with the projections, you cannot promise someone that, that they will be successful and that they will have the perfect answer to whatever it is. Awesome. That is really good to know. Now we're going to come back to your um, brand voice, getting into the voice of the customer, because this was something that really interests me when we talked about, but you just talked about um, a course, right? So say someone, we're writing an ad for someone who's selling a course. Mm -hmm. We want the call to action to be that they buy a course. Is that something after the story and after the results, is it better because, you know, we're talking about giving value in a long form ad can usually be the best approach. Do we want to leave the sell for the next step? Or do we want to have that call to action in the ad by the course? You know, if the course is a few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks, it's highly unlikely that a Facebook ad is going to do the trick. Yeah. You can't put too much on a Facebook ad. What you want to do is get them to the landing page, let the landing page do the heavy lifting. So I would say for a, a course, you are going to want to make the, the, the goal of the Facebook ad is to get the click. It's not to sell the course, your right. other materials, whatever you're bringing them to, that is, that's the meat and bones of, of the sale. Absolutely. So when you write Facebook ads for clients, do mm-hmm. you, would you offer to say, I can write the ad, but we also need to look at the landing page? hundred percent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And yeah. how can, how can you make that transition as easy as possible? If you get yeah. to both. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about is called message match. And mm-hmm. that is when it's a trail marker, a visual trail marker that when you click an ad and go to a new place, it shows you that you are in the right place. So if you were, if your CTA is um, say buy my book, uh, click here to buy my book. When you get on the landing page, you want to see buy my book. You're right there. You're not on the home page where then you have to navigate to try to figure out what the next step is. Yes. Which is like the biggest no-no and can't tell you how many marketers I've seen make that mistake. Yes. Um, you need to drive them exactly to the next step. It is insanely important. And mm-hmm. you can use words as those trail markers. That could be the message match or um, you can use images. So if you've got an image in an ad and let's say it's a guy on a horse, the landing page should have a picture of a guy on a horse, the same one. It could mm-hmm. be, or if it's not the same one, another shot from that series, same guy, same horse. Yep. You know that you are in the right place. I love and that. And I love the idea of bundling this service together because yes. so often with our copywriting, we write the thing and then it goes off and we can't guarantee what the pre-sale is. We can't control what the post-sale is. We can't control that our clients just leave the the prospective customers at the homepage, like dumping them on some landfill site. You know, like you just, we can't control that. So I love the idea of bundling this service together because that's got to make the conversion rates much better. Yeah, it's a huge increase. And a lot of people will, will blame poor sales on the performance of a Facebook ad. And it's yes. not, it's the targeting, it's the ad, it's the landing page, it's the offer. The ad's only one part of it. And it can be a, a big part of it, but you cannot blame or credit an entire, uh, you can't blame or, or credit the success of, uh, of a campaign on one ad. On one element, yeah. So that also makes me think of, you know, when Google ads, I think when copywriters go to write Google ads, mm-hmm. one thing I found, one of my buddies, she manages Google ads and she said that a big part of effective Google ads is tweaking and playing and testing and trying new things. But as copywriters, it's very hard for us to do that when we can't control the testing process. And yeah. you told me there's, there's a way that we can actually do that in Facebook ads without being in the back end, actually doing the test sequences. Yeah. This I just learned, um, at copy chief a couple of weeks ago, and it's been huge because the long form Facebook ads, um, can be so much. If you change too too many elements when you're testing, you're never going to know which element was the best. You're not going to know what the result was. So because Facebook has that see more feature after the first, you know, anywhere from three to seven lines, depending on the layout, all you need to do is change those first few lines. 
leave the rest of the body copy exactly the same. But if you try five different intros, you're going to quickly see which two or three are stronger. And the Facebook algorithm will, uh, I believe it'll automatically drop the poor performing ones. So then you can, right. you can test the stronger ones. And then whichever the best selling one is, then you can start going and changing more elements of the body copy. Yeah. But figure out which the strongest hook is first. And all you need to do is change the first couple of lines and uh, it's your preview text. So if you, for a copywriter is looking to offer this as a service, would you say, I'm going to, we're going to write an ad and I'm going to give you X number of alternatives for the intro. Is that my, how, you, how you might create a bundle? Yeah. Yeah. I would say five different intros <laughs> and the rest of the body will be exactly the same. Awesome. And then they could either get you back in to do some tweaking or mm -hmm. they could just, you know, choose the ones you say, I'm going to give you five intros. You'll see quickly which one works the best. And then you just run with that. Yeah. And then once you have that optimized, you can change the image, you can change the CTA, yeah. but the easiest way to figure out which, what direction to go into is test the opening body copy. Nice. I love that. Yeah, and with your, was, your was clients that you work with all the time, do they get you involved back as part of your retainer with them is that initial delivery, some variations, then they get you back to do more tweaking or do you tend to deliver it? And then that's the end of it. Well, most of the time with the, uh, the company that I write in house for, if the ads are performing well, then we'll let them run. Um, mm -hmm. If they are not performing, then we'll go in and um, we'll either start from scratch based on similar results that we've had or successful results that we've had with similar clients. Mm -hmm. um, or it could just be a change of the intro copy and uh, or a different image. So it's not often that we've got to go back and change things, but every now and again it happens. Okay. So it sounds like for copywriters looking to offer this as a service, it's not necessarily like a website page or a brochure where you write it, you deliver it. And that might be the end of it. It sounds like there's lots of different ways that you can add bundles that yeah. you can add a variable element to the service to yeah. keep clients coming back to you. Not that you want to write ads that need adjusting, but this is obviously a project that might suit retainer agreements or at least have some elements to your pricing that will invite clients to come back with you and work on any adjustments. Yeah. And there's a lot of different things that you can add um, with the type of clients that we're working on now. Uh, the landing page will require them to, submit an email mm -hmm. and then there's the email, email series that you're following up. And I love yep. writing these emails, um, yeah, me too. hundreds uh, at this point, thousands of them for these clients. And uh, it's so much fun. And that's where you can really dive in and get more personal and you can do some of the things that you can't do on Facebook yeah. uh, because you've also further qualified them. So you know that where they are and you know, that they're further down the line. And if they're not, then they'll quickly unsubscribe. And that's great because you're not mm -hmm. going to be wasting time with them. Um, but yeah, um, you can absolutely bundle a package with Facebook ad, follow-up emails, uh, landing pages, and even videos. I love that. I love that idea. That's so much more potential than yeah. one ad, let it go. Yeah. It's not everyone. So you mentioned images. So let's just quickly touch on images because I know whenever I've randomly try to Facebook ad, I always get that there's too much text on your image and we're not going to show your ad. So can you tell us a little bit about what's best for images? Because I'm sure clients, when they ask people to write the copy, would welcome some tips on the rest of their ad as well. Yeah. Uh, images are tricky. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I am an expert in this, but I do know a couple of best practices. Mm -hmm. um, for the majority of people, you want imperfect images. Stock photography looks like stock photography. It's not what you're used to seeing. I mean, think about the majority of things that you see on Facebook, they're taken up with people's phones. Yeah. There's, they're blurry, there's, there's red eye. Um, if you want it to look real and sort of blend in to, um, blend into the newsfeed and make it look like it belongs there, it's okay to be imperfect. And um, if you do have, a more professional image, maybe an arrow or blur out the background or make it black and white, but a certain part of it in color. There's a way just to make it a little bit more engaging. Um, reds and oranges nice. pop for sure. Um, text is tricky. Uh, there are Facebook rules. I want to say it's no more than 20% of the ad can contain text. Yeah, so I think you're right. Be, 
yeah, you want to be cautious with that. Um, but what I have seen some people do is have blurred text and which is kind of, kind of tricky. Oh, sneaky. Um, so it looks like there's more and you can't read the blurred text. Yeah. The part that you can read is super engaging and it makes you curious what the rest of it is. Mm. Um, so I've seen that recently. I thought that that was really clever and an interesting get around. And it might, but it would be interesting because people might click for their curious. You pay yeah. for a click and it's not a qualification. Like it's the wrong person. Well, that's where the copy comes in. Yeah. So you want to loop it all together. Um, cause remember by the time you see the image, you should have read the ad. The image is below the ad. Yes. So it should be there, which actually goes back to one point that I missed earlier. When you are writing these, it's not just a curiosity gap. You don't, yes, you do want to make them interested. You can't have some open loops, but you want to provide value. You want to show that you're an authority. You want to show that you're an expert. It's not just, Oh, click here and you'll get the answer. You know, and you might have the top five things, give away three of them. You want to give away value and then hey, this ad's getting kind of long, click here and I'll show you the other two. Yeah. Um, so you can do things like that. But definitely give something away for free in the ad just to show that you're genuine and that you know what you're talking about. Is that where videos could help as well, where you have a video that you're giving away value and some copy that yeah. is the hook? Yeah, um, video ads are great. And uh, it's, it's the same thing. You really just want the video to establish authority Mm -hmm. and show that you are legitimate and provide some value yes yes, yes. always provide value and then oh. you'll provide more value on the landing page and that's where you can begin to to sell yeah absolutely so the ad it, videos aside the ad shouldn't just be um story authority building call to action there needs to be some kind of shared education or tip or something like that yeah and now a lot of times a story can provide the tip yeah. And that will set you up. So if you can, the more natural and organic you can make it, the better. But you awesome. definitely want to, to show that you can help this person in some way. Awesome. Yeah. So let's loop back now to the voice. Mm -hmm. The Daniel Day-Lewis method acting approach <laughs> to writing for people who are entirely unlike yourself. And because this is something that really interests me. When you said you wrote for over 50 divorcees looking, you know, do a battling depression. I was like, what? How do you even do that? So let's talk about that. Cause this yeah. will apply for all types of copywriting. Yeah. This is sort of an accidental superpower that I have discovered. Um, in the last year, year, the last 12 to 16 months, I say I've written, I just did a count before I came in here. I might actually be missing a few, but I think I'm at 324 different voices that I've written in which is crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, I've almost lost my own voice at this point. <laughs> I don't know who but, I am anymore. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I go to write something for myself. I'm like, who is this? This doesn't sound like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it was something that I discovered during the headline project. Uh, and that's when I was writing 100 headlines a day for 100 clients um, for 100 days. So I wound mm -hmm. up writing, I think in total it was 10,211 headlines in 100 days. And the way that I had to get into this, I really had to embody either, and I flipped it. I did it, um, the person selling and then the person buying. Mm -hmm. And I would close my eyes and I would literally just visualize myself becoming the target customer. And I would be sitting at a desk and I would picture what's on their desk. I would picture what they look like, what they're feeling, what emotions they're, they're experiencing. Um, are they hot? Are they cold? What are they drinking? Are they drinking coffee? What kind of coffee? I would get in depth into this. And um, it, I just sort of took on the persona. And it's something that it, it could be physically and mentally draining to do. And I don't do it as deep as uh, with every customer. Um, but I have, I've learned to channel this inner person and sometimes I'll go too far with it um, just to get stuff out into a rough draft and then I can always dial it back but I will go as as deep as I possibly can and hit the pain points um, and then I'll also go into reviews of different competitor sites or Amazon reviews for books that these people have read mm -hmm. and pull out some keywords that 
are better matched to what I've written. Um, so you want to get the language and you want to be sure that you're getting it right. Um, and it's also important before you submit your draft is you're going to want to talk to people that other writers that are in this, like when I write for females, I'll write by a couple of people in one of my groups and be like, Hey, did I get this right? And they're like, Oh, mostly, but we'd never say this. Let's get this. Um, but I'm at a point now I can get pretty close. And so <clears throat> this is, this cool. is where I, I follow what you're saying, but if I'm going to write for 50 year old men or 20 year old men, for example, very different age group to me, very yeah. different, completely different gender. So I can sit at my desk and go, all right, I'm a 20-year-old man. I don't know anything about 20-year-old men. So for an audience that is new for you, do would you maybe do that review mining first or do a bit of online research to figure out what they're like? Yeah, uh, you do want to do your research, but a lot of the, the information that you're going to get will be given to you from the client during your initial intake. Okay, cool. So you'll get a lot of that. Like, here's my audience, and you want them to go as much into detail as they can. And then you sort of embrace it based off of their words. But yeah, then you go into um, then you go into the reviews just to help you channel that voice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as much as you said that you couldn't write for an old man, I just wrote an ad recently for a 22-year-old hairdresser, like a, a female. And I got it. I just wrote an ad for a beauty influencer and yeah. nailed it. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, this sounds like me. When she found out that, uh, like, the older guy wrote it, she's like, Really? Never would have thought that. See, so I find I find um, it a great way when you have clients who say, "I want it to sound like me," and I mm -hmm. can I can and I'm talking to them. I find that a lot easier because I'm like, right, I am hearing your voice, yeah. and I am hearing your phrasing, and I'm writing it all down. So I understand the value of that. Sometimes what I do is I also look at YouTube videos sure. that people in that audience make. Yeah. So I, cause that's what I find useful seeing and, and listening to them. That's a fantastic idea. Oh, there you go. Yeah. My gift I to don't you. think I've done that before. And I absolutely should. I usually get, um, videos of, uh, of the client speaking and I'll watch that. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing, but yeah, that is an amazing resource that I never thought of. So look at you. I like that. <laughs> do this yeah you can a it's a idea. really it's a really um great way to justify spending a lot of time on youtube as well there you go <laughs> but i want to um finish up with headlines mm -hmm. because you mentioned the headline writing project should quickly before we talk about what the headline writing project um was do facebook ads need a headline it sounds like not in the traditional sense that we might write a blog post I'd say that they absolutely do need a headline. I mean, just they, they have to have one, but it's not as important. Um, Cause remember, you're not going to see the headline until after you've seen the, the post, the, the text in the post and after the picture, then the headline's going to be there. Aha. The headline's great for reaffirming what you've already read. So it could be a great call to action. Um, or it's also good for, it's sort of your last chance to stop the thumb scroll as people are going by. Um, okay. So it can capture attention. So, you know, there are a lot of things that I would say the headline is probably going to be your most important piece of copy, but in Facebook, I don't think it is. Yeah, I think it's important, understand. but it's not number one. I guess, you know, we, we look at the headline being really important because it's often the first line, mm -hmm. but it's almost the last line in Facebook ads. So it's yeah. a hook in that first line that would be more important. Yeah. Yeah. It's a continuation of everything that you've written. And a lot of times I will just pull out a line of copy from the Facebook ad and drop that in as that line. Nice. I love that. So tell us about the headline writing project and I'll be including a link to this because it's a fantastic resource. So what on earth, I mean, I tell people write 25 headlines for every one you need. Mm -hmm. What on earth possessed you it to was, write a hundred headlines a day? That was uh, a challenge brought on by our friend Kira Hug. Mm -hmm. uh, who's been on the, the show. Um, yeah, I was on a hot seat call with her and I was struggling to come up with a headline for my own site. And I had written, I think 50 or 60. And she's like, keep going, see if you can write a hundred. And, and I did it. And when I did it, she's like, oh my God, you did it. <laughs> she's like, like, see if you can do more of this. And it just sort of evolved into uh, um, me writing a hundred headlines uh, a day for a hundred days for a hundred different products. And I, 
when she gave me the idea, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be just because mm-hmm. I had written hundred headlines for myself. And I was like, yeah, okay, I did it. And let's see what happens. So I agreed to it and I started right away. If I had ever done research as to what was going to be involved in it, I would have quit immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I dove in, I said, yes, I became accountable for it. Um, I wrote, I think three days. I, yes, I'd written 300 lines. If you look at the first day, cause it's all up there. It's up at the headlineproject.com. Every yeah. post that I wrote. The difference between the beginning to the end is dramatic. Uh, the first few posts were, um, they almost became like a content calendar of like topics that you could write about. Yeah. Whereas in the end, it became 100 headlines about one particular thing. Yeah. So um, it evolves evolved quickly. I'd say by day four, I was more tuned in. They just got better as we went on. Um, but yeah, it was a challenge. Um, and I held myself accountable and I had other people holding me accountable and I did it. It damn near killed me. Um, <laughs> so did you do it on top of your regular work? So did you say, okay, well, I'm going to have to carve out of my day, what, three hours, one hour? Uh, it all, cause I was writing a post, I was writing the headlines and then I was also, um, writing a post for a previous day. So I didn't, yeah. Like a round. Um, I was always, I, well, I started out eight days ahead uh, mm-hmm. from when I first posted. So yeah, all in, it was about three hours. Um, yeah. So this is where it gets stupid. <laughs> Not only um, was I doing the headline project, I was working in house for a hotel company at the point at that point. So I was there for eight hours. I had an hour and a half commute each way. I was doing some client work on top of it and trying to take care of the kids and the wife and all that and be a family man. Uh, It was not uh, a smart idea for me to do it. Um, I would not do it again. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Put me on the map. Um, But yeah, you can read all about it and the struggles and it gets real and it gets dark at certain points where I realized that my family stopped asking me to hang out with them on the weekends because they knew that I would say no because I had so much work to catch up on. Oh, yeah, it was a mistake. I was a bad dad and a terrible husband for a hundred days. Yeah. Uh, but you know, my family supported me and it made me a better person at the end. It made me a better writer. It yeah. um, allowed me to, to go all in with pretty flat copy and uh, gave me a great opportunity. So I'm glad I did it. Um, I would not do it again. Um, strictly for the sake of my marriage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to consider these things. Um, you know, when we get new clients and our business starts growing, it's really easy. I mean, this is a slightly different topic, but it's really easy for us to say yes to everything. Yeah. And we work and we work and we work and then we crash and we burn and we think this is not fun. So yeah. we have to be able to monitor our our ability to balance our work and our life as we're growing as well. Because if we can't do it as we're growing, then we're just going to go into cycles all the time. Yeah. So I guess you've, you've been burned, man. I was. But but I'm good now. I, I'm good now. One thing I particularly like about this is one thing I talk about when in my course about writing headlines and to other copywriters is the more you write, the better you get. So that's yes. why I say 25 headlines for every one you write. And I say, just go through your swipe file yep. and you're going to write tons of shitty ones. Yes. The, so then I, you'll pick some good ones and yes. you can fine tune them and keep writing and writing and writing them because you get more dialed in. And then like now you must be able to bust out awesome headlines and people think, oh, he's just talented. But no, you've put in no, this really, structure. You know, so many hundreds of hours yeah. of practice. And the thing is, um, when you said write 25 headlines, you're not trying to write 25 good headlines. No. You write probably 23 lines of junk and two good ones. Yeah, You need to be okay with that. And you need to not hold yourself to this high level and this uh, this unrealistic standard that you are going to write 25 good headlines. Yeah. Out of the 100 a day that I wrote, I didn't get 25 good, good ones. Yeah. On yeah. average, 14 to 18 that I liked out of 100. Yeah. And I don't know that they would beat any controls. They're just ones that I liked and that yes. I think would do well. But so much crap just to get, you know, one, one good one. 
Yeah, but that's you got to go through the process and it's time consuming and it's yeah. tedious as yeah. you can attest to, but mm -hmm. the more you do it, and I find this the same with brainstorming benefits and advantages and things yes. like that, where it's very easy to go, oh, saves time, saves money, less yeah. stress, but that's boring. And the more we work through these brainstorming processes and the more we practice our writing, the okay. better it gets. Absolutely. And that's, I think, can be the difference between copywriters who are really great and copywriters who are just okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just willing to dig deeper. Yeah. So this has been a freaking bonanza. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing all of this. this um, what I would like to know is I'm just looking at if someone's willing was, is kind of interested in writing Facebook ads, mm -hmm. what would be a piece of advice you would give them? Um, I would say learn the back end. If you can not only write the ads, but if you know how to set them up, you are golden. So many people don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. If I did, I could be charging a lot more money and <laughs> I could be taking on some dream clients. Um, the fact is I don't want to learn how, but I do know a few yeah. writers that do it. They say it's not that hard. Facebook algorithm takes care of most of the work. So learn the science behind it. Um, Learn video, learn captioning, because that's where everything is. And everyone learns, everyone watches video on Facebook on mute. So learn, mm -hmm. learn all the science behind that. Um, also look what you are clicking on, um, analyze that, create your own spike file. Um, and I will say this, don't judge an ad based on the comments. I have seen ads get tremendous hate yet on the back end do gangbusters. Yep. Haters are going to hate and the majority can be silent. So, um, and I guess are, if it's uh, getting that kind of strong reaction, it's polarizing. That's kind of a good thing as well. Cause it's a bit sensational and the haters are getting, not going to be interested anyway. So you've got rid of heaps of people and yeah. the people who aren't there are probably going to love it. And that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So and now you need to have thick skin. It's not going to be right for everybody. You are going to have people that are saying, Hey, we can't have this. And now you have a choice of close, of turning off the comments, which is yeah. an easy way to do it. Um, or sort of burying some or, or hiding it or just letting it go. But I've seen ads actually show up in copywriting courses in copywriting Facebook groups being like, what do you think guys think of this ad? And it got torn apart by writers, but I also have seen the back end and I know firsthand these ads have done phenomenally well. Right. So that's a guidance in, and like we could use this in other uh, copywriting as well. Sometimes we need to challenge our clients, like be bold, give it a try. Yeah. And I mean, I guess off, if we're doing a, a, something a bit controversial and our clients feeling a bit shaky about it, we could always say, look, I'll write you two ads yeah. for the same price. Mm -hmm. Here's the safe ad, which will still be damn good, but here's one that I think you should try. Yeah. And you know what, with Facebook and really with any ad, you never know. I mean, how many times does a client come in and change something and be like, Oh, that's a mistake. But then when you run it, be like, Oh no, that actually that beat mine. Damn it. it ha oh, it's, it sucks. It sucks, but it happens. You just never know. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So I, I, I will add as well. I think I love this idea of creating little bundles and packages mm -hmm. where it's not just the ad. It's the ad and the landing page and the email sequence. Yes. It's a whole yeah. pipeline. It's a whole funnel. Get up in people's funnel. Yeah. Um, what about resources? You mentioned, you know, you've learned what a lot of people are, you know, saying. Do you have any key resources on this kind of stuff? Because if you Google Facebook ads, it's just so many. So who are there your are trusted coaches? Um, so I would say your best bet is to go to a couple of different writing gurus and look at the ads that they're running. Guys like Frank Kern, um, Keith Krantz, uh, Mike Renard. Uh, these, are, these guys aren't going to be household names. Um, but actually, if you even want, you can even look at just some of the gurus that you do like. Um, what, what's Ryan Levesque using? Um, just some of the bigger guys. Mm -hmm. Whatever they're using is a template for what you can do. Uh, Sam Ovens. Um, they're just ads that as soon as you click on one, you're going to get targeted by all of them. So you will start seeing it <laughs> real quick. Um, but just you, you, one of your, your easiest swipe files is just using those ads and reverse engineering like I did my first time. Yep. And you, could, you could latch onto something real quick. 
Awesome. I love that. Um, so where can people find you? I'm going to include um, links to your website and the headline writing project, but where do you hang out if people want um, to you a little? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Pretty Fly Copy, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook at Pretty Fly Copy. Um, I'm in the Copywriter Club Facebook group all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, see you there. Yeah. And, um, let's see. And then my website is prettyflycopy.com and um, also on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all this stuff today. It was a bonanza, as I said, and I'm, I'm interested. I think Facebook ads might be a thing that I, that I give a go um, in the new year. So I'm really interested. I've just been kind of intimidated yeah. by it, I have to admit. Well, I'll tell you this. Pedestal posts are not much different than an email. Yeah. Okay. It's essentially the same thing. Awesome. Thank you very much, Justin. Have a good day. Bye. Regular listeners will now know it's time we read out a review of the show. And today we are giving a shout out to Lawyer09 from the United States of America. Lawyer09 says, I love this podcast. I'm just starting out in copywriting and Belinda and Kate's honest advice has helped me no end. The tips and tricks are so helpful. Thanks for all you do. Keep up the great work. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Stitches, Stitches, iTunes or Stitcher and Spotify. Your review helps other copywriters find us. And of course, we'll give you a shout out on the show, just like Lawyer09 from the US of A. So we would love to know on our Facebook page or our Twitter account or the hotcopypodcast.com episode, what was your big takeaway or aha moment from this episode? Kate, thank you very much for tuning in for our little intro and outro. Thank you. I I love that episode. I can't wait to go and apply all the things I've learned. All right. Until next time, everyone, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts, I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts.